gather round, join us for a spell. There is magic to be found, and stories here to tell. Feed the fire, merry meet, dare to more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Welcome to the Bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And we have a very exciting guest for you today. Detta, why don't you tell us a little bit about who we have? We have Courtney Weber. She is the co-host of That Witch Life. I refer to her often in the podcast and refer you to her very funny memes. She is an author. She is a tarot reader, which, by the way, we recorded this back in early September. And right after that interview, I booked an appointment, which I finally have in October, and I'm so excited. I can hardly stand it. She is funny, she is wise, and she is here on our show. And I'm freaking excited. So let's get started with this interview. (gasps) Meet Corey. Corey, meet Courtney. Nice to meet you, Corey. Nice to meet you, too. I've been that as an old enough. friend. Yeah, well, I've been lucky enough to like hang out on Patreon and in your amazing rituals with Kanani, who I always say that. Did I say it right? Did yeah. It? And Hillary. Oh, my God. I love your rituals so much. If you're Thank not you. part of the Patreon crew, everybody, you really should check them out. The It's almost once a month. It is once. It has been it once is. a month. It's a once a month. Yeah. Sometimes we've been trying to do the rituals on the first Sunday of the month. The last couple of months... It's been a holiday, yeah. you know, the first, so it's, or, um, or something has come up. So we've had to do a little bit of shuffling. Um, but generally speaking, we do a, um, a, a, a smaller ritual once a month. And then four times a year, we do something a little bit bigger for our larger Patreon community. And then about once a year, we do something for everybody once or twice a year, we invite the whole team on board and be like, come on in everybody. Let's get in the Zoom. Ha it's... ha 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 ha. <laughs> in the I'm Zoom, so funny. See, I think I'm funny. It was funny. You are. And I, I, thanks. We were we were on. Uh, we were interviewed by some paranormal guy in England. Oh. And as we're talking, he goes, "So Courtney's the funny one." And Kanani and Hillary are shaking their heads, like, "Not really." Not really. <laughs> I'm like, I think so, but they just look at me and they're like, "What is wrong with you?" Oh <laughs> my gosh, I have so much fun, and I, I also, again, I I know I keep like pumping up. I I'm only part of three Patreons, and yours is oh, one of them. So I'm, you. but I I know I sound like I'm always pumping up Patreons, but it's so true. You yeah. get the extended episodes, so you get to listen to the three of you like banter and talk, and it's like listening to i don't know it's just amazing and fabulous and i absolutely freaking love it i fully thought you were part of way more than that because the way it sounds when you're listening to this show it sounds like she's part of like 70 patrons no but i'm not i'm not i have no we we have so many things we want to ask you about and just let you go and if you're not listening to that witch life podcast you need to be it's absolutely awesome and if you've listened to our podcast we say that like you know every third episode so we're just all so inspired by you and thrilled listening to you and it's a good reminder that uh witchcraft can be so much fun and so joyful but really a jumping off point we're not going to have time to talk about everything we want to talk about today is on our side 
But I have to take a quick moment and ask you about your books and specifically your audiobooks. I do listen a lot as well as as read. I have loved your narrators, uh, even the non-Irish one. But why aren't, as a theater person, why aren't you narrating your own books? Just out of curiosity. Oh, it's because they've never asked me. What? I don't know. They've never asked me to do it. Okay. (laughs) What the hell? I don't know. Maybe I think other people probably have a more pleasant sounding voice than I do. I'm pretty nasal. I don't know how I would sound. I love your voice. I do have a, well, it's, what you're all listening to is a a very flattened out Appalachian accent, which is, you know, Appalachian. Yeah, I'm from, originally from the Carolinas. And so when I learned to talk, it was like this deity, (laughs) which that Rorik accent is all in the nose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I moved to the West Coast, and so I don't drawl anymore, but it's still all of my speech is up in what they call, what the people say up in your mask. So I've got a very nasal sound. But anyway, well, but you asked about Hakate, and I took us down a rabbit hole, but you knew what you were getting into when you asked me to get on the show. <laughs> I, yes. I love This that. was going to happen. <laughs> I love the rabbit holes you go down. Oh, my God. Well, I don't ever come out. I'm just there. And, you know, <laughs> That's where you live. You are a rabbit. <laughs> I, I do. I end up on planet Jupiter and I'm just got a timeshare there and I come back eventually. But, um, you know, for whether it's Hecate, Hecate or Hecate, mm-hmm. all three are correct. That's what um, I was wondering. Yeah, I used to say Hecate a lot. That's like when I was when I was uh, running my coven and we would do rituals with Hecate, we say it. I now say Hecate just as often mm-hmm. because that's a little more common and I I don't, I don't really actually, I don't know which one I, I say most of all. I think I say whatever is in the moment. Um, with my book on Bridget, I, for a long time, I just simply said Brige or, you know, cause that's the, the Irish version of it. But then as I'm promoting the book, that's going to confuse people. So it, it was just, it was just fine to say Bridget. And I know, I mean, a lot of Irish folk call her Bridget as well. Yeah, or, they do. Um, so it's, it's, but as for Hecate, I don't, I have, like I said, I haven't heard how the narrator's pronouncing it, pronouncing, pronouncing it. Uh, this is why they don't ask me, Bridget, because yeah. I say things like pronouncing. <laughs> now you know. She's like, oh, I get pronounces it. Okay. Hecate, and, and she got a lovely voice. She, and I'm she's, sure. Yeah, she's wonderfully engaged. That's not always true of all of the metaphysical books that I've heard. I think mm. Wisner, am I saying them right? It's what? wiser. There's no wiser. there's no manure. No in. Yeah. Wiser I think Wiser does a really whoever their cadre of narrators are, they're pretty good. I, mm. I am at least I'm enjoying whoever they've picked for the books that I've listened to from their publishing house. I learned so much reading your book. I and I have your previous ones as well. I have Bridget and I have the Morgan or or the Morgan. I had no idea how much I didn't know about her. And I just don't even know where to start. So I'm just going <laughs> to hear things that popped out at me while I was reading it as the torch section, which I, mm. I'm obsessed with. We say a lot here on the show, and I say a lot when I teach theater, it's really okay to be uncomfortable. It's when you're feeling unsafe that that's when, and you talk about that in what inspired you in the context of witchcraft to talk about being uncomfortable and bogart and yes and bogart a director and and i met her once and she's amazing um and bogart wrote a book called i did i met her i read a book she i read her book called a director prepares which honestly changed my life as an artist completely and then this guy i was seeing borrowed it and that's just the yeah no i've never seen it again uh 
Courtney, I have three copies of it. I am happy to send you one because now it's freaking expensive. It's like 78 bucks. It's what? God yeah. damn it. Okay, you know what? Yeah. I need to call him. I'm going to be like, yeah, call I know we haven't spoken in 10 years, but you <laughs> my, my copy of a director prepares back. back in 2003. I want it back. And so, yeah, yeah this is why you never, never lend books to people you're sleeping with. <laughs> you can lend books to people you marry, maybe. But Maybe. never ever lend books to someone you're sleeping with that you're not committed. I mean, even if you're committed to this person, I mean, come on, it's just it's just a really bad idea. Okay, <laughs> it's it's kind of like cash. You can give cash as a gift. You can give a book as a gift, but don't ever give one expecting that to return. It's just not going to work. So um, anyway, she talks a lot about that about how she was working with a student um, who said to someone they were directing, "Are you comfortable?" And then she said, "No, let's get uncomfortable. Let's." Mm-hmm. And I and I found that a lot. One as as a as a ritualist, the mm. need for everybody's comfort was incredibly restricting. Now I say this with a caveat: comfort is not the same as inclusion and safety. It's not okay. It's not the same. So you're asking everybody to stand up and jump up and down. And go, I don't care if it's uncomfortable, and you've got somebody in a wheelchair. Okay. Well, at that point, it's not about comfort. It's it's literally about what is accessible to people. Mm-hmm. I immediately told people you are the only one that know your body and also your emotional capacity. You have to decide whether you are uncomfortable or whether you're about to break. Mm. And because the ritual that I was leading was a springtime ritual where I wanted people to be uncomfortable. We had everybody curled up as a, into a seed position mm. and they were, and it was, you know, kind of crunched up. I showed them some yoga poses to keep so that they could, you know, some endurance so that, you know, limbs wouldn't completely fall asleep. And then I also knew that we had at least one person who had a, basically a spine made of steel that she'd had to have rebuilt after an accident. Mm. And so I said, you have to decide if what you need to do with your body. And if this is going to break you, then you need to do it differently. And I offered some modifications, but I said, you're not going to get from this exercise, which you're going to need to get. If you're comfortable, you're likable to fall asleep. And then at the end of the ritual, you know, you stretch up and you just cry out like, cause you're supposed to be a seed that's pressing through. I said, you really think the plant inside the seed is comfortable? That's some painful shit that plant is going through. Getting out of a seed, pushing up. That's not, so you need, let's go through that as well. And everybody said they got, they would not have gotten what they needed from that ritual if I had just made it, get comfortable. No, get uncomfortable. However, I'm not going to tell the woman with a spine made of literal steel that she needs to be locked in a ball for 45 minutes. No. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, if your body can't do this, you need to do something else with the idea that I'm not trying to get comfortable, I'm just trying to preserve, you know, preserve what my, what my body is able to do. There's well, a big difference. And that's the difference between safe and uncomfortable. Yeah. That's interesting that you, that you address, that you talk about the need to be uncomfortable in a witchcraft practice. I, yeah. I love because I think that's why a lot of people get stunted with their spell work, with their activities, with their meditation, all of that. And I just and I when I read that, I was like, oh, oh, I'm yeah, I'm just so smitten already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even bring it up like in practice in our ritual this morning with Mm -hmm. a group, we were stating our, our intentions. Mine was not comfortable to say aloud. Yeah. And I fought it at first. I'm like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Well, my intention's in me. My intention's in me. I know what it is. But I'm like, no, I if I don't speak it out loud, I don't think that it's the, that I have completed this ritual. Right. And was it unsafe for me? No. 
because I knew the people in there and I knew that they were, that information wasn't going to be used in a way to hurt me, that I wasn't going to be in a position where people were going to try to problem solve for me, which is not what I wanted, but I needed to, if I didn't speak aloud, the desires I had for my life, then I wasn't actually doing the magic in that space. Now, every ritual is different, but our space was about you know, the communication, it was the, the new moon in Virgo, like, you know, very much about, you know, Virgo is very much about communication. Everyone's like, Gemini. I'm like, well, also Virgo, you know, so I needed to do that work and it wasn't comfortable. It's not supposed mm-hmm. to be, but that's where I say discomfort and something of being unsafe are two very different things. Like if somebody's like, I'm not comfortable being made to have sex with someone. Well, nor should you. Yeah. you know, perfectly. That is like, that is to say, no, I, I am not going to put myself in a place where I am compromised personally, physically, yeah. you know, but it may be a, a discomfort is like, well, I don't like speaking in front of groups. That's uncomfortable. Okay. Well, but what, what are, what's the risk here? Well, I might ship over my words. Okay. And what happens if you do, mm. you know, this is a space where people are supportive. Um, if anyone were to laugh for you and mock you, they would face consequences because we're not doing, that's not the space we're allowing, you know, no one's going to throw something at you. No one's going to hurt you. Like the person who's hurting you in that place is you, the criticisms you have of yourself for your performance or how, so Mm -hmm. there is a discomfort in facing that critic. So it's like, maybe you're not comfortable with being in front, standing in front of a crowd. Um, but I'm also making a, you know, a delineation. Is it discomfort or are we dealing with a panic disorder that can be triggered by this? Or are we dealing with a panic disorder that can be triggered by this? So, but that's for you to decide, Yeah, you know? And so yeah. I think there's, but the, the thing about comfort is, is just the other analogy I made in um, the book is that um, a, a bar, a bar three class is not comfortable when you're lifting that many repetition of weights, you know, where you're doing all those squats, not comfortable, but if you don't do it, if you just kind of do it in a little bit of a way, then you're not actually giving your body the chance to strengthen itself. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And that's the same thing with magic is that if you're not doing things that make it uncomfortable, you're not doing the magic. And again, right. It's the same thing. Like with your body, if you've got an injury, that like when I tore my rotator cuff, I couldn't lift in the same way for a while. So, you know, that's a kind of place that I rubbed up like, no, that's damaging. I'm not going to go there. But my other half of my body, that's what my, my bar teacher was like. She's like, you're not doing your arms at all. I'm like, yeah, I tore my, my, my right, my right rotator cuff. She goes, well, how's your left one doing? I'm like, fine. Let's <laughs> you know? we well, and that's the other thing too. You got to listen mm-hmm. to yourself. You got to listen to your intuition. And in this case, your body, but your magic intuition and stuff. Corey, I, oh, I was just going to say, we talk a lot about uh, discomfort versus pain in yoga a lot. I'm a yoga yes. instructor. And we actually, in our latest episode about chakras, we were talking about uh, tapping into the metaphysical through the through the physical body and so I think that that's such a good connection to make when you're doing your magic is like figure out what it feels like in your body to test the limit of like what is discomfort and what is unsafe like what is discomfort what is pain and then recognize that same sensation when you're doing your magic like am I uncomfortable or am I in pain am I uncomfortable am I hurting myself am I uncomfortable or is this unsafe it's another avenue to sort of access that muscle yeah because I think that's so important because I love I love Bogart 
Yeah. Um, and I then, know. Changed yeah. my life. I still remember passages oh, yeah. of that book. I, I love her it. so much. We were required as actors to read it in school, even though it was a director's. And I, it was life-changing so as an actor as well. I think anyone who wants to make art yeah. needs to read that book because yeah, she talks so much. I mean, her talking about how she started you know she followed her followed her you know the instagram influencers influencers you say follow your bliss well she used to say and bogart was saying back back in the early aughts but it wasn't like follow your bliss just like follow follow what calls to you mm-hmm. right and um because she was doing so long was investigating american theater and exploring american theater when she started becoming interested in german theater mm. and so she started doing more german theater and then she said, as a result, she ended up getting to go to Germany a whole bunch of times and meeting incredible artists and doing all this, this interesting work because she but it says if she had just kind of clung to these, oh, well, I'm just going to do American theater, she wouldn't have had, and then she said what she said um, in the book, but also in the talk I got to hear her say was that your work dies at that point. Uh. And it's the same thing with your magic is all of a sudden you go, you know what, I'm not going to explore this this new thing that's calling to me because that's not what i do i do this i do this i stay this it's like no you can but if that's calling to you learn about it yeah you know i know we get worried about like appropriating culturally and we should Mm -hmm. but if something is calling to you there and there is information that is available and open to learn about it's not like Mm -hmm. you're you know knocking on the door of a culture that or a practice that doesn't want to share and demand to be taught but it's like our, our our native practitioners writing about the subject, teaching the subject, well, go learn from them, buy their books, take their classes, talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, obvi- they, they, they want to, te- they want, you know, to teach and they want some kind of exchange and you, maybe you have that to offer. And so if you're being called in those directions, you know, uh, learn from it. Yeah. Right. There's, yeah. there's certainly, um, I think that we've gotten so, and again, this is where discomfort comes in as opposed to like, we're, we've gotten so worried about um, being uncomfortable, being made to be told that, you know, that, that we're, we would rather like not learn about something other than what we already learn about for fear of quote unquote, doing it wrong or learning it wrong um, or appropriating. And yes, appropriation, we, we do want to be mindful of it, but not at the risk of not learning from mm-hmm. people who are willing to share. Yeah. yeah, that's that's and a huge you to know. loss to us as magic practitioners and just as people, as human yeah. beings, to yeah. learn learn from people who are willing to share, is um is something that is 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 a very important thing. And it's a loss for magic, and yeah. and how it can affect the world, and how how we can affect change. And yeah, like you said, if it's willing, if the, if it's being willingly taught, yeah, don't yeah, go I like that. banging on the that. door of a closed practice, <laughs> but like. Like you said, if it's out there, pay the like provide that energetic or monetary exchange and come in with like um, an open attitude about learning. Yeah. And here's another example that I just keep throwing. Sometime in the next couple of weeks at That Witch Life podcast, we'll be interviewing Barry Webster of the the Res Sasquatch Research Group. So he's a native man and he is from Nebraska and he runs a Sasquatch researching, otherwise a lot of times they call it here Bigfoot hunting. That's not what he calls it. He calls it Sasquatch research. And he wants to t- share about what is appropriate for him to share about the Sasquatch, the the, the mythology, the lore, and the spiritual experience Holy shit. Of, a Sas- of a Sasquatch sighting. <gasps> wow. So that's, so that's cool. very different. 
to have this man who was already talking about this publicly. And he and I had a nice long conversation and he's like, I want to teach people. I want to, you know, this is information I want to come from a native source. Cause a lot of those white guys out there with their cameras and their microphones, whatever, but he says, I've got stuff I'd like to share. Yeah. Which is very different than say me going up to the Grand Ronde reservation, you know, which largely it's a very closed community. Periodically they have open things. It's very different than me like barging into their community center and saying, someone needs to teach me what you're all doing here. That's not something that's being willingly shared. When they have an open event, I'm there. I want to go. But that's when when they have an open event. I'm not Mm -hmm. bugging people to let me in at a closed event. So those are two very, those are, but if I were like, well, no, I'm not native. I don't have the right to learn from, uh, to learn about, doing the spiritual side of Sasquatch. Well, I don't have the right to demand it. I don't have the right to, to push for it and, and assume that it is, I am entitled to it. But if this man of his own accord is offering this information and I'm feeling called to it, well then I'm doing both of us a disservice if I don't follow that. He wants people to know, not so people to buy his t-shirts, which is totally (laughs) cool. And you better believe it. Kanani and I are going to be rocking those things. Oh, yeah. Hillary doesn't do t-shirts. She's a little classier than we. But Kanani and I are big t-shirt junkies. Well, she is an opera singer. <laughs> she is an opera singer. She She's is. all about like the flowing blouses and the scarves oh. and the tea. Oh, my God. She's in so much trouble for scaring me this morning. Bordetta knows what happens. So she texts me this morning and she's like, she's like, oh, my God, there's an emergency. And I'm like, What? Oh no, did you touch latex again? Are you going to the hospital? Do you have an EpiPen? And she goes, I'm almost out of tea. <laughs> like literally. We need to discuss which... what constitutes an emergency. <laughs> which in like, her defense, understand? in her defense, running out of tea, I, I feel her pain, but yeah. <laughs> to, to, but terrifying because of what yes. you've all been through the last couple what of months. We've all been through, I was like, Oh, oh my God. She goes, I texted you immediately after that. And I said, but you are a slow texter. <laughs> and my mind was already in the emergency room. But anyway, that's, that's what you say. So, okay. You're called to something. Somebody yeah. from that source is willing and, and wants to share it. Y'all meet up, yeah. learn, you know, it's, and that's, that's what's, what I feel is really important. <laughs> the Venn diagram between theater practitioners and witch practitioners is like a circle. We Um, say that a lot. (laughs) Or at least it's got a big, big overlap. Um, And I think that that's something equally important for, like something I learned from being an actor is that you take every workshop you can. If education's being offered, take it. Like, do it. The same for this. Like, even if I'm never going to be... I'm never going to be a professional dancer specializing in Fosse. I'm still going to take a Fosse workshop. And I'm never, like, yeah, I'm not going to be, like, part of a coven dedicated to Odin, but I might go to a cool workshop about who Odin is. Right. Yeah. Just to to learn about it. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love learning new stuff all the time about lots of stuff. And it's one of the reasons that I love your book so much. Okay. I've got a really long buildup because I have to give some context to this question. Corey and I chat a lot about personal gnosis with listeners, especially when it comes to deities. And we really encourage people to do their homework and their research, even though that's not everyone's jam, and not to appropriate, give credit where credit's due, and all that good jazz. But we also talk about the fact that these are myths or written down from the conquering ruler's perspective, meaning that while it's really important to 
take all of this information in. Your personal experience through meditation and ritual is really important. Your own magic is really important. And while I was reading your book, on so many different occasions, you told personal stories. And the one where you realized you were sitting in the rain and you were going to lose your magic if you didn't change your life. And the one about taking the boyfriend to the ritual. I love that story and I love the outcome of that story. And it occurred to me as I was listening to the book that in 100 or 200 years from now, your book on these deities and witches who are writing right now may become a future generation's myths in order to base their magic on. And I got really excited about this. And I was just wondering, have you ever thought about it in that way? Or if you haven't, what do you hope people will take from your work? And while I was reading your book, on so many different occasions, you told personal stories. And the one where you realized you were sitting in the rain and you were going to lose your magic if you didn't change your life. And the one about taking the boyfriend to the ritual. I love that story and I love the outcome of that story. And it occurred to me as I was listening to the book that... In 100 or 200 years from now, your book on these deities and witches who are writing right now may become a future generation's myths in order to base their magic on. And I got really excited about this. And I was just wondering, have you ever thought about it in that way? Or if you haven't, what do you hope people will take from your work? Um, You know, I, I have no idea what how people are going to view deity and spirituality in a hundred years from now, yeah. um, let alone, I mean, or tomorrow, <laughs> or tomorrow. Well, you know, the concept of, of deity is, is ever evolving. Um, at mm -hmm. the same time, I feel like people believe in deity more than they ever have in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and people are, are very, really, really, you know, vocal about their, their belief of, uh, of what, what I'm hoping is that, um, people can 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 validate their experiences mm -hmm. by hearing about mine and that maybe they say okay i had something similar i wasn't sure that that was real i wasn't sure this and then you know or can such a simple moment really be that profound um and the answer is yes and i think that sometimes people come into witchcraft or deity talk with with the the thought that everything has to be cut and dry or super or or super clear and that if it's not if it if it's simply like a revelation mm -hmm. um if it's simply an understanding that that's not really deity that that's just something that's going on in my head but i'm not sure where our heads where god starts and our heads end we humans are so much more connected by thought than we possibly could know. Um, I don't recall. I feel like I've shared this story recently. I, I shared it on the, when, on the, with the interview with Evo Dominguez Jr. Just before I met my husband, had a terrible breakup with, a, you know, like at that point was the, my biggest heartbreak of my life at that point. And um, was, um, you know, doing a lot of meditations and work on myself in order to to heal. I did not want to carry bitterness. That was the big lesson from this is like, I need to change my trajectory because I really do want a partner in my life, but I, th whatever I'm doing has not been working. And so one of the things I think I need to remove from this 
elixir of me is bitterness about past love. And I'm not wow. going to take this bitterness with me. So I was doing a bunch of meditations where I was focused on healing my heart and was literally focused on my heart chakra in that area in these meditations. And the day after one of my, my deepest, most intense meditations, I got a Facebook message from a guy I hadn't spoken to in 10 years who'd had a dream about me the night before that I'd had open heart surgery. And it had completely thrown him because I guess the dream woke him up and he was uh, he had said he was an atheist, but he'd also professed that he'd had some psychic phenomenon happen to him and he didn't quite understand it. Um, and he was like, I don't know why I feel like I need, I know we haven't talked in a long time, but I just woke up really worried about you. And I don't know what this, why, you know? And I wow. said, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, you, I was doing a meditation yesterday that was very intense and focused on my heart. And you saw that in your mind and your landscape as, as a surgery, fixing the heart. And so to me, that has spoken to me of a lot of things of one, the powers of our collective mind are so, are, are, are just so deeply, it's, it's, it's deeply, we're deeply connected in a way we just don't yet understand. Um, we, um, we we primates because that's what we are we primates are pack animals we are not solo warriors we work in packs and i think we've got deeper i think i think all mammals do more than we could possibly ever know or i think somebody will figure it out you know but we're we're not there yet and i think that deity may come from that from this really great because it's it's i there may be a way in which we are con you know we are connected to a consciousness that's thousands of years old yeah. that is present with us and that's what we may know as deity or these deities may actually be literal beings that we just can't necessarily you know see with our flesh eyes and they're walking around and they you know or um you throw <laughs> string theory into that and who there are just so many possibilities of what yeah, they could be there's there's a lot of ways in which we are connected and there may be a time in which we um discover the scientific you know, method behind that. Great. I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't feel like science and magic contradict each other. I don't think, no, any, I don't all. think it's so true, which we true talk, about that. Yeah. talk about that a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. You made me think about it. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, you mentioned that people in like for the, the most in your lifetime right now are, are working with deity i'm a you know from the way back i'm a like mythology nerd and um i know that a lot of deities uh were it is hypothesized that a lot of deities were created to explain like incredible natural phenomenon like like thunder and and like flood and like um you know life and death and all that stuff and you were we we're talking about working with deities now and i think at least in my perception of the world I've been seeing like this humongous uptick in like polytheism which is a system created to explain the natural world through supernatural beings in a lot of cases even though we now know like where lightning comes from where earthquakes come from so I guess my question for you is something I've been thinking about a lot is like what is the draw of the polytheistic system now no, even though we now know scientifically how to explain these phenomena. 
Well, I think there's there's a few things. One, I think that the stories are just very, very beautiful. Oh, they are. And yeah. we, um, you know, deities are, are bigger, more grandiose versions of ourselves. And we want to be able to insert ourselves into into things in order to understand them better. Mm. Um, it's just like when children play, they play out the things that, that they hear about so they can understand it. I mean, I have celiac and my sister texted me saying that my niece and nephew were in the backyard, quote unquote, throwing celiac at each other. <laughs> so, you know, and um, so that was their way of, of putting themselves into, you know, I- into what celiac is. Mm-hmm. They just want to play with it, you know. Sure. Um, same thing is that when I told my nephew there was a Gila monster after him, and then I we, we sat down and we showed a video. I watched We watched videos about Gila monsters on YouTube, and then he and his sister pretend to be Gila monsters all afternoon. You know, they wanted, in order to better understand the Gila monster, they wanted to be the Gila monster. Mm. And I think that that's a very human thing to do. In order to understand the storm, we want to be the storm. Um, to understand a flower and a flower growing, we want to be a flower. We want to be, and you know, we do that now um, less with um, like mythology about gods and more about like in our pop culture and our poetry. We're constantly like making ourselves into thunder and lightning and rain. We are like this. I am that. You know, it, it's just. I think that's just a very human thing. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're self-centered as fuck, and we just really <laughs> need to be in the middle of everything. And we love stories. We love mm-hmm. stories. That's we are storytelling people. I also think if it is that there is a part of us that's always going to believe the mythology. And I think we're at a time in history in which we also believe the science yeah. and that there's room for both. I posted this on Twitter and a lot of people agree with me. I said, you know, I, my, my spirituality can be described as this. The concept of a corn monster was developed by parents wanting to keep their children out of the cornfield so they wouldn't trample the new crop, pick the corn flowers, and basically in order to protect their crops and their livelihood needed to invent a monster to protect their children, you know, to protect, protect the crop from their children. Yeah. And also, corn monsters are real. Because they are. And I had a lot of people say, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that is my spirituality. That's my religion. I can explain this all. Also, it's real. Yeah. Like, well, also, I don't fuck with monsters. I don't go to the cornfields at night. No. You know, I. There are things I will not fuck with. I will not fuck with Candyman. I will not fuck with Bloody Mary. I will not do that crap. I'm not here to fuck with spirit boards. Like, get. Mm-mm. Like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you so much. Well, that's the thing. Like, in. in um, There's a really wonderful podcast. Oh, it's called Mother Folklore. And it's um, a, a podcast that really unpacks the Irish language. And they had this beautiful episode that was all about the, the, the other folk, the fairies. And they talked about how, you know, they all moved to Dublin. They're like, oh, I'm, you know, they're like, I, I know these are the stories my grandma used to tell, whatever. I don't, I don't ascribe to those. However, if they drive past the bog at night and see the flames out there, they don't stop. No. Yeah. More. <laughs> they were they were laughing. So they like, I'm telling myself, no, this is the, this is, they're saying I'm connecting this. I know this is the, like a reaction of the oxygen on the bog or optical illusion. I forget what the actual scientific explanation is for the lights on the bog, but they're like, and also I don't <laughs> yes. stop. I is- took Morgan Daimler's class about fairies so that I could figure out how not to be fucked with mm-hmm. by fairy. And- there's a valley in my hometown that you have to drive through to get to town, right? Uh, it's on Sydney, and it's we just call it the valley. In the morning when I would drive to high school, there's a fog that settles over that valley mm-hmm. in the mornings most of the year. It's very schwampy. Just a lot of lowland marsh situation uh, fields and stuff. And 
this fog is thick. It looks like it's made of like polyfill. It's very thick fog. And every so often there would be these big swirls of it that would come up above the level of the rest of it. And I'm sure that's a wind thing. I'm sure that's like an animal moving through the fog thing. But it looked like something was reaching out of it. And every time I saw that, I was like, I know the speed limit's 45, but I am not (laughs) stopping. I am going faster. I will be going 57. I will be going 60 till I am to the other side. Um, Because it's just, there's something in my hind brain, I guess, that's like, that is not to be messed with. And I need to get out of its territory right now. I've come across those experiences in uh, different parts of the United States as well. You know, in general, the the land spirits of this region are kind of shy, but they're they're reasonably kind. Um, you know, at the same time, I I don't ask them for much. I just try to keep them happy. Yeah, yeah it, lots of offerings. <laughs> yeah. Lots yeah. of well, I, Jim what? Divine. Do you know? Oh, yes, you did. A, yeah, you did. Yeah, a, I yes, I know. I, Divine Hand I Jim. Yeah. He he was like, you need to stop freaking out about fairies. And I was over, um, we went over for brunch. And he's like, I'm going to take you to my fairy garden. And and it was very peaceful. It still scares the shit out of me. But, yeah, but <laughs> fair. But it was a different perspective. And like mm-hmm. you said, they're, the land spirits here can be very shy. And then, you know, in other places I've been to, they're not shy and they don't want you around. Yeah. You know, my husband and I got literally chased out of a forest once because we had a we had a very similar vision. We were we were in Delaware and we were we're we're hiking and we both stopped at the same time. I was seeing with my sober eyes what I could only best describe it was what looked like an acid flashback. Now I haven't done that much acid in my life. I also don't think acid flashbacks are real. So, but it was like everything, like the, the forest got long and then it got short and it was just like the, it was just kind of like a boing thing, you know? And my husband was seeing something different, but equally intense. And we just said, we are gonna go. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, he, what he saw, I think it's okay to say it, what he described it as, what he said, uh, like a Chinese New Year dragon, you know, the oh, what, but, gosh. but I also think that some of the, some of the carvings of, of the native peoples look similar, mm. right? To, and so it's easy. I think that if you're just seeing one, you might, without having a lot of knowledge of the background of the people of that region, it might be easy, an easy association to go, oh, that looks like this it's possible it could have been a spirit from the far east that was there it was more likely i think it was probably a native spirit that was like we don't want you here yeah and i really appreciate yeah like it's basically go you know and another like the the spirits of uh, i mean some people don't realize this but um manhattan has old growth forest on it um the very top the very most northern part of manhattan is a park that was never cut down and so if you go all the way to the top of Manhattan, you will see what the island looked like for oh. a good 15,000 years before the white people came and carved it all up. Um, and the land earths up there are just have, have had it. They're just not, they're not, they've seen way too much death of mm. their own kind of the, of the trees and the things up there. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lo- not everybody, but a lot of people go up there and leave condoms um, leave garbage, you know, act, behave badly out in the forest. And they're not fond of human beings. They're just not. 
Maniac. And I know that, yeah, one one very kind woman um, who went up there and she was trying to open herself up to the land spirits and she saw something terrifying and she came running back to my apartment. She goes, I don't know what I did wrong. And I said, so, you know what? They were not there for games. You want to connect with the land spirits. You go in, you keep your head down. You say, I'm here. I'm not going to cause any trouble. And I'm going to take some trash out while I'm here. And then they won't, they'll look at you and go, okay, you know. <laughs> But don't ask him for anything. I, I'm amazed there there are any kind land spirits right now with all the shit that's going on. I am just so grateful to them every single day. And speaking of being grateful, I want to talk about your Instagram page that I go to for inspiration and to cheer me up when I think about how depressed I am about land spirits and other things. You just make me laugh and you inspire me. There are two things I've seen this week. We're recording on September 12th. This will be released September 29th. The two things that I saw that made me so ridiculously happy, and actually there is a question at the end of this, I promise, was the Dolly Parton is a goddess. (laughs) I agree. I will just repost because I cannot say it as well as Courtney said it, but it was perfection. And yes, she is now and should have been and should be in the future a deity for sure she's a benevolent spirit for sure (laughs) and then the other one the other one was your i'm not saying you should curse (laughs) we actually quoted this on the podcast a couple weeks ago i'm not saying we should i'm just saying his name is spelled (laughs) so can you talk we don't to have, us? We have to we have to disguise his name appropriately. Okay. So please. his name is his name is Fleg Flabbit. Fleg Flabbit. Fleg Flabbit. Yeah, you know. Fleg Flabbit. Yes, we're talking about him. How about Fleg Flabbit? At the end of the book, you talk about curses and binding and stuff. Can you tell us how you feel about that? And especially since I've made assumptions that since you were part of a coven, it was Wiccan and talked about the rule of three. Would you mind talking a little bit about how you feel about curses and the rule of three uh, without breaking any oaths or anything like that? My only oaths are to keep the um, the experiences of the people that I've worked with private. Got it. Um, You know, so that's I, I don't my secrets about like. I, I don't talk about what I like spells that I'm currently working on because mm-hmm. just that just takes all the oxygen out of them. Yeah. And I don't talk about experiences that other people have had without their explicit permission. You know, if the witch who cannot curse cannot cure. Oh, so wow. even if you don't ever curse, you need to know how they work because yeah. chances are you're going to be called upon to undo one at some point. I have done curse work. I'm not above doing it. I think it's like anything else. You've really got to pick your battles because you're going to have a lot to contend with. Just as an example, when I was in high school, if one of my friends was in a fight with their boyfriend or girlfriend, I was picking a side and I was going to fight for my friend and fight all of their friends and all this other Mm -hmm. shit. And then I'm getting into all this. Then by at that point, at certain point, the, the couple has like either become friends or they've gotten back together and everyone's mad at me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because I, I, I was causing all that. So, I, you know, I, but then there are times when, you know, somebody is, is not, is being mistreated and it's like, I'm going to step up. I'm going to speak up and be like, that's not cool. What just happened there? I'm not yeah. okay with that. You know, so it's, it's, and I think that was something I learned as a, as a teenager and oh, through most of my twenties as well, is to really pick your, pick your battles. And I think there's, there's magic to that as well. You know, if, if, I, I, where I am, I try to caution people and I've tried to caution myself is 
don't curse because you're mad things didn't go your way. Mm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because honestly, and I've done it. So I'm not above saying I've done it. I've cursed out of anger because I didn't get what I wanted. Um, You know, where was, and, but I look back as like, was I actually being mistreated? Mm. No. Mm. And so like years later, and also I don't really believe in the rule of three. I think that's a, a the gross oversimplification of what all kinds of magic is. Um, I do think that we are affected by magic in every single part of our lives. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Um, and so magic can uh, use this. Again, there's so much trouble in the Morgan book talking about this, depending on who you ask. Because either I'm encouraging baneful magic and I'm an asshole, or I'm telling people they should be careful with baneful magic and I'm gatekeeping. I don't fucking know which one I'm doing, but apparently I can do both. Um, but I do think that if you've got a lot of messy business in your life and you bring any kind of magic in that messy business is going to ignite it's going to blow up like if you are being duplicitous Mm. with your your partner your job your friends or whatever and you bring magic in people are going to find out about your duplicity you know your duplicity that's not you being cursed is that magic is gonna is just gonna catch a light whatever is is you know, is blocking things and duplicity restricts people. It just does. Mm-hmm. So it's going to start lighting stuff up. So they'd be like, well, what? You wanted this great thing in your life. Well, first you got to get rid of this duplicitous nature. Ah, so, but basically it, it's, you've got to clean up your life or keep your life clean. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And there are many times you just have to do a spell and just fuck what may, you're going to have to do the spell. Yeah. And it may mean you, but if you do a spell because you're mad, because somebody looked at you funny or somebody, um, the, the person, your, your ex broke up with you, you know, you're mad because you want to stay with that person. You're mad. You didn't think that person should have talked to you that way. Well, you're probably right. However, is it really worth the kind of energetic investment you're going to have that's going to bind you to this person because it will bind you to this person, all right, in, in certain in certain ways. Um, and then the kind of um, energy you'll have to then, you know, later to, to clean some, clean some stuff up. Um, that's one of the things about curses is that I I feel like it's a commitment because, because if you, if you aren't committed to it, because like you said, you are tied. That makes me think of that part in practical magic where, uh, little baby Antonia is like, they said to give you a message, clean up your own mess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And I mean, and there are some people I know that have cursed people who have wronged them. It's not that you shouldn't curse someone who's wronged you, but it's what is the nature of the wrong? God. Are they likely to harm you again? Or are they likely others. to harm other people in the same way? Is this a pattern of, 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 of behavior that hurts others? Yeah. That in some ways it's like their responsibility is on you to take care of that. They're like, because I've, I've had situations and I've, I've argued with people as to whether some of these were right or not about like where my felt, my thought was me, by me not acting when I could, I'm allowing harm to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's, there's, and you're going to have to ask yourself, you know, and there's a risk involved, but there's a risk involved whenever you do magic. It's just the way yeah. it is. There, I think there's a lot of power, actually. And we talked about that. We've talked about this before as well. I, I think there's a lot of power in sending somebody's energy back to them, which probably falls under the rule of three theory. But I have very I've only I've only cursed something once and it did not backfire. And it was for, in my opinion, a greater good. It wasn't personal. And I have never been more tempted to curse than I have since 2016. <laughs> so, so many people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Huge list of them. And there's, 
there's also the misnomer that love cures all. Love does not cure all. It doesn't. Um, you know, walk, having having love and compassion for other people um, is a great ideal. And it's, it's something I think is worth, I'm not going to say we should, I said it is worth striving yeah. for. Mm-hmm. However, I'm never going to ask someone to love their rapist. No, no, it's not, no. That's not, that's not worth it. It's, you don't need to do that. And also keep in mind that not everybody is going to respond well to love. Okay. No. Just on a, a basic chemical level. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with reactive attachment disorder that some Mm-mm. people develop um, mm-hmm. as a result of trauma, severe trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, it often happens in children if they've experienced trauma, if they've experienced, you know, it's, it's a rare, rather rare disorder. And there's a thought about, and, you know, they, they end up in, in foster or adoptive homes where the thought was we can just love them through this. No, their brains cannot process love in that way. They see that as an attack, you know, and so the best from, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in, in child psychology or in rad, but from what I have read about it, in many cases, um, the, it is thought, again, don't come after me, listeners, if I'm wrong on this, <laughs> it is thought that providing um, these children or you know even young adults with this, this system of structure, but more detached is better for them that that's what they're comfortable with. Because loving and the loving embrace is going to maybe that they were they were molested by someone mm-hmm. who used those same things, and so that kind of approach of of love, you know, may have mirrored someone who hurt them, and it's not, you know, it's it's not what they need. And many years ago, my first coven, there was a woman in our social circle who was just I, I don't even know, but she would really violently verbally lash out at people constantly Oof. it was just cruel and vicious and she would snap on moments so there's just a lot of stuff going on um and our thought was let's surround her with love because if she feels loved she's gonna stop acting like a crazy bitch so we did a spell where we're sending her love and say let her know how she's loved let her know how wonderful she is let her know let her know let her know and it worked at first like she would actually say she says i just I don't know, but everyone's being so nice to me. People are stopping me on the street to telling me I'm beautiful. It's just like, everybody's being so nice to me. It was too much for her. Whatever was going on with her, she flipped. She flipped the switch again and became even more aggressive, more angry, more. And I think now if I were in a situation, first of all, I would just basically remove myself from that social circle. Like if y'all are going to hang out with her, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. So that would have been the first thing I did. But if somebody has said to me to come back with magic, um, I don't think I would have done any magic on this person. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'd say this person doesn't need magic. They, they need to embark on a path of healing, mm-hmm. whatever is going on with them. That is, causing them to to react to the world this way whatever that is they've got to do a deep path of healing and um if somebody absolutely wanted to do magic i might even say if you just you can't help yourself maybe a road opener that would open the road for them to find that healing she would still have to take that road Mm -hmm. and that's still a journey on her own so already then you've invested your energy in this person who may not want or be ready to take that Mm -hmm. path 
And again, witchcraft, just like theater, is not therapy. It can yeah. be therapeutic, no, but no, it is not therapy. No. It can, right. It, you can, it can open the path yeah. and it can help you find yeah. that therapy. Exactly. Um, it can call It can call to mind for you stuff that, ooh, wow, that's some stuff I've got to work on. Let me let me address this. But um, I'm dealing with that in D&D right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. It's just so cursing, I believe is best used and again every situation is different this is not me gatekeeping my feeling is cursing is best used against people who are usually in positions of power that are using that to harm others i don't mean that necessarily has to be government officials i think that it but it can be others that may be harming other people or having power over people on a very micro level Mm. and um and it may sometimes be the safer option for someone to curse someone than to confront this person directly. That means confronting and somebody responding to the situation with love is not always going to work because love is love is great, but love isn't the answer to every problem. Yeah, um, I think love can lead us to solutions that we love someone enough that we're willing to go with them to find a solution. But we're love is not a is not always a solution in itself. I love the fact that you talk about that, too, in the book about working with ancestors is that you don't have to if they don't work for you, that sometimes there's healing after they pass on and they might be the right relative to go to, even though you didn't get along with them in life. But you get to make that choice and it doesn't have to be somebody who really hurt you. You don't have to work with those people. Well, we want to be respectful of your time. We'd love to hear about... Are you teaching? Uh, I've, I've taken a class with you at Catland. Are you going to do that again for Hecate or Hecate? And I know specifically there's something coming up. Uh, yes. If you could talk about Somote That Con and what yeah. else do you have coming up? And do you have any other personal part, any more books coming up that you're allowed to talk about yet? And all that. What's going on with uh, you coming I, up, Courtney? <laughs> I, I don't have any pagan books in the works at the moment. I'm taking some time to try to get some fiction out in the world. So I've been working pretty closely on that. I don't also don't have any classes currently scheduled. Um, a lot of my time is going into promoting. So mote that con. I am, oh, now that I've said that, I am teaching at Puget Sound Pagan Pride on um September 25th. It is a virtual conference. I believe it's free or very low cost. So if you look up um, Puget Sound Pagan Pride, I've got a whole list of speakers and I will be teaching on um, about Hakate on Saturday, September 25th. And then I'm also teaching again at our, yeah, that's local. Portland. Oh, yeah. No, no. Or McMinnville. McMinnville. Oh, the the conference is your local. Puget Sound Pagan. Yeah, no, it's it's a virtual conference, Puget Sound Pagan Pride. So I think That's you can cool. join that from anywhere. Sick. I am also doing a teaching class on Hakate at SomotheCon on October. Um, SomotheCon is happening October 16th and 17th. It is also a virtual conference. So you can join from anywhere in the world. And we have 11 workshops, everything from land spirits to past lives to working with the saints to working with fairies. Um, yeah, Morgan's there, I saw. Yeah, Morgan's teaching, um, Evo's teaching, Madame Pamita, and we're having a live Q&A with Amy Chazari of The Coloring Book of Shadows. So oh super favorite. excited about all of that. It's going to be a really great time. And then, of course, just a lot of, of banter and shenanigans from me and my two co-hosts, Kanani and Hillary. Uh, yeah, so I, I just got really wrapped up into that and just didn't get a... Uh, 
a, a, a class lineup this fall uh, makes me think it probably ought to be thinking about something to do um, over the winter and springtime next year. We'll see what we'll see what the course takes yeah. us. Um, the only time I'm not available that weekend is three to five. And so I was so happy when you put out that you're recording it. Yes, Although, we are. Recording I want to go to everything as live as possible. So yeah, but we will be we will be recording it so you can um, catch the recordings for up to 30 days after the event that will be available. So love it. Yeah. And then our, our podcast comes out weekly. Uh, we've got a couple of bonus episodes that are also coming out right now. So and um, it's available that which life is available on all podcast platforms. Hakate is available um, wherever books are sold mm-hmm. along with my, along with my other books and um, people that want to stay in touch with me or get a reading at some point. Um, I'm at CourtneyAWeber.com. That's Weber with one B, not two. Yeah. So. Yeah. I totally want to do a reading. I want to do that. Yeah. Your, All right. Your Instagram <laughs> reading stuff is about me. Y- y'all, if you have not discovered Courtney yet, she's one of the funniest humans on the planet. I just adore you. I adore your Instagram. I'm sure it probably looks like I'm always waiting at your page. <laughs> Like no, I have, I have glass. Like- I have such a, I have such a shattered and stitched together ego. I'm glad oh. anybody is is interested in anything I do. It oh. makes me happy. I'm like, ah. I think you're brilliant. <laughs> you're just hysterical. Uh, the only place I don't hang out is Twitter, but occasionally you'll put those on Instagram, so that makes me very happy. Twitter- oh yes, yeah. so the ones people really like on Twitter. I'm like, okay, well, this one has made it has has made it to the echelon of, of Instagram. <laughs> Well, what a joy to have you. Thank you for being willing. Thank you for coming. And this morning, Kanani and Hillary said that they would come on to the podcast. So we'll have to have the three of you back. Oh my God, it's so fun. Can you imagine the shenanigans? Oh my God. We're so bad. We're so badly behaved though. Are you sure you want to do that? I love how badly behaved you are. That's why I listen to the podcast. So (laughs) that's why I listen to the extended versions. And Evo, oh my gosh. For one thing, all of your podcasts are amazing. So I say this with, I mean, all of them and all your guests stormy daniels that's how i found out right oh my god i can't believe that happened i still can't believe that happened because she, yeah because stormy daniels is a witch yeah fuck yes yeah but evo oh my gosh just like talking about stuff that just really powerful stuff that i feel like every witch who's practicing needs to know it was just it was on elementals and elemental work and um, the work with elements it was really great you're just a joy and the three of you that witch life is just so inspiring and i adore you and hope this is why then i won't have this goddamn beeping going on (laughs) no problem it was really nice to finally meet you likewise Corey. thank you so much so all right thank you again thanks a lot friend my pleasure how much fun how much energy how much i just feel so infused like as an introvert sometimes i go away from people feeling exhausted and never after this no (laughs) yeah (sighs) okay okay that was fun Oh my gosh, so much fun. What do we have for uh, Sparks today? Well, it's all about Courtney and that witch life. We're going to talk about both of them. Yes. I want to send out Hillary's Instagram and also Kanani's Instagram. Okay. Hillary is also an opera singer and they are, she's part of this new album that I think at least her, the 
track that she's most featured on has dropped. It's an album called Pariah. Okay. And I cannot wait to hear it. It's submitted for a Grammy, so we're keeping good thoughts that it gets nominated. I know somebody submitted them, so it's very exciting. It's a person, a cellist that she's been working with for the last year and a half, Um, and all remotely. I mean, until recently. Uh, So, and Kanani's just a kick in the pants and sometimes plays the straight gal uh, as far as comedy goes. She like grounds them. So if you haven't listened to that Witch Life podcast, it's a hoot and a hanny. I mean, that energy. And if you are part of the Patreon, you get the extended version. So like there was uh, about 20 minutes of the Evo Mm. episode that I was talking about that is just them like bullshitting laughing back and forth they are funnier than I mean it's it's just fun it's infused with that fun but there's also yeah and there's some I mean they definitely talk about serious topics and the element uh talking about Evo's new book was really really great and all right and on the note of books so Courtney has Bridget the Morgan Hakate or Hecate, Hecate or whatever, <laughs> or the third one that she said that I don't know that pronunciation of. Although, may I just say, oh, I wanted to mention this to her. You know, it's at the beginning of Dog Sees God. For all you theater nerds out there, the beginning of Dog Sees God, uh, one of the main characters who is Sally grown up comes in and she's Wiccan. <laughs> Yeah. And she's in all black and she does a little chant to the gods. That play is a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. The other book that she has is Tarot for One. It's the only one I don't own yet. And it's on my list for October to buy before that witch con. And that witch con, which she just named. I don't know. Do you use Amy's coloring books? No. I have all of them. I don't have any. Oh, my gosh. I I love coloring books. Yeah, coloring books are the bomb. She also makes a planner. This is, we're talking Amy now, not Courtney. I'll list all of this in in there because Amy's coloring books are just wonderful. And then, and one of the things I wanted to ask Courtney about was she has a tarot deck, I think. Or she's part of designing a tarot deck, and I want to know if it's still available. I think it was a while ago, and I meant to ask her about it, so y'all, I'll have to find out. We'll just have to have her back. Yeah, there you go. It's all about Courtney and that witch life and that witch con, which is, again, October 16th and 17th. Is that Somotic Con? Somotic Con. Okay. Somotic Con. Which is hilarious. Isn't If you don't know the actual expression, it's so mote it be. Yeah. <laughs> which is why it's funny. That's it for Sparks. We'll put all of this on Instagram and in the show notes and yeah. go discover these wonderful women. And They're so great. Yeah. And Courtney's a hoot and handy as well. She's just so fun. It was such yeah. a fun interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last thing that I want to do before we call it an episode. Well, actually, two things. First... Happy Michaelmas to all of you out there who celebrate Michaelmas. And even though we're only at 62 minutes, we're not quite at 64. I want to say happy birthday to my lovely wife who has supported this podcast from the very first time I mentioned it. And without her, I would not have the space, energy, and time to do this. So yes, I will still need you. I will still feed you when you're 64, which is today. (laughs) Okay, thanks. All right, Corey, take it away. Um, But until next time, be well, harm none, and don't forget that you are magic. 
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'd like to ask you to rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And to press the little plus sign on Spotify to add us to your episodes. You can also find us on iHeartRadio and just about anywhere where you listen to podcasts. But if you want to reach out and talk to us, you can email us at bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can sign up for the newsletter or just ask us questions and hang out. You can catch us on Twitter at bonfirebabble or on Facebook at bonfirebabblepodcast or on Instagram at bonfirebabblepodcast, which is where we spend most of our time. Yes. We are also... Hooray! On TikTok now at Bonfire Babble Podcast. Thank you, Corey. Woohoo! Woohoo! Uh, it's a little baby page right now, but we are recording things and putting them up. And our website will also start to have a lot more information, and that is bonfirebabble.com. You can also reach out to us in a more tangible way. We have a P.O. Box now, which is P.O. Box 16341. Seattle, Washington, 98116. We would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle. The Duwamish people, past and present, and honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish tribe. For more information, reach out to realrent.org.